Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Good Wednesday, everybody. It's the Roto Experts. Jake Seeley, Scott Engel, and Chris Meany with Toby. Is that what you said, Chris? Toby is our friend joining us for the winter storm of 2018, the first day of spring. Right, Chris? Disgusting. That's what it was called. Disgusting. Yes, Toby. And I didn't think that they named winter storms, but when you get them every you know other week, I guess you have to. It's been a rough winter. I thought it was only like nor'easters and hurricanes. I didn't know they just – why are we naming every dang thing, Scott? Like, really? Everything needs a name now? I, yeah, I guess. But uh... – well, I mean, like, yeah. what was the last one? The last one that I got hit, that you got hit as well up in New York. Everybody, I'm down in Virginia Beach. We got about a foot of snow down here. I don't remember what the name of it was. I don't remember the names of anything. You just remember, like, the big ones, though, like Hurricane Andrew and stuff like that. And for 10 to 16 inches is a lot for New York City. But when I used to live in Connecticut, in Bristol, when I worked for ESPN, you know, this pretty much a normal day. Yeah, yeah but they're saying this is the fourth one. Winter storm. I think I be- think we've had worse ones though. Where uh, I remember, nineteen ninety six was pretty dark. Wait, wait. Chris, you says the fourth one. Yeah, the fourth nor'easter. So, so they don't this do- month. Oh, this month it's. Oh, okay. I was gonna say they don't go alphabetically like hurricanes. They just like randomly pick <laughs> names out of a hat or something. Like you confused me there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't really speak to uh, the names of storms. But uh, I know here in Toronto. So you don't even know if they alternate like hurricanes, like if it's female, male, female, male. Like you don't know if it does nope. that either. I, I no, I have no idea. I can't help anybody out there. Well, you're and on the call. Sometimes you don't up. know if it's female <laughs> or male. What if it's Storm Pat? You know. Yeah, that's fair. Sure. Hey, remember that's a, that's it's Pat. Fair point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm a storm. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is, Scott? If you yeah. think about it, there's no way they would get away with that skit nowadays. I don't think. Well, it's a comedy show, so I don't know. Push the lines. Chris, do you know what we're talking about? Uh, I do a little bit, yes. The old Saturday Night Live skit from the mid-90s. But the whole point is you didn't know if it was female or male. And, like, if you tried to pull it off today, like, there would be so many people, like. You have to be careful now for for young comedians out there. I read an article just a couple weeks ago of somebody getting fined for, for, you know, some things that he had said in his skit, which, you know. At the end of the day, it's kind of unfair, really, to to find this guy. But you're right, Jake. You got to be it's a little touchy out there. Yeah, it's not yeah. like when Tony Sincata was coming up. No, <laughs> no, it's not oh, like what Tony Scott tries to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just spent Honestly. an hour and a half with him. You're telling me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you know what? Let's uh, jump into NBA real quick. I know that's going to sound weird because we don't usually talk NBA, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on some things because I don't know if you've seen the proposed rule changes for the kids' youth program and started by the NBA. I actually think this is a genius idea. So for everybody out there that doesn't know it hasn't seen it, so what they're doing, what they're proposing is that there's smaller baskets now for ages 7 to 8 and 9 to 11, an 8-foot basket so it's also lowered 
for the ages of 7 to 8, and a 9-foot basket for 9 to 11. 10 feet would be back once you're 12 and over, over, obviously. No zone defenses if you're under the age of 11. Equal playing time throughout the entire game if you're ages 7 to 8, and then the first three periods if you're 9 to 11. No three-point field goals if you're under 11. And then a 24-second uh, shot clock for 9th through 12th grade, 30-second for 12th through 14th. I don't really care about the shot clock. What I like about this, and I'll get your guys' opinion because you're definitely more NBA than I am, but I still, you know, I'll watch the higher level. I'll watch the playoffs and stuff like that. I think this is genius because what's the biggest thing you always see with kids is they can't handle the giant ball. They can't handle shooting on 10-feet rims, and they're always chucking it up, you know, like heaving it. Heaving is the best word for it. I think this is great because now you teach these kids how to properly – play basketball from a young age. And then on top of it, what I love is that everybody gets equal time. So some stupid parent, and when the kid's nine years old, doesn't think their kid's a superstar playing the entire game from beginning to end, and nobody gets to learn the game. I see, you know, I used to coach youth basketball, uh, so I'm kind of in favor of this because I think it builds confidence across the levels because, like you said, you know, kids underhand are heaving it in six years old trying to get into the basket. You know, you're dealing with something that you're more used to, and as your body grows, uh, you know, so will, so will the dimensions of the court. Uh, the NBA is all about a three-point shooting game, and I think, I think kids are going to try to model what they do in the pros and chuck the three. You know, it's it's going to probably mess with their fundamentals. The only thing I can't see flying here, as much as you're correct about it, is is the equal playing time thing because, you know, some parents just feel that their kids are better. And no matter what rules changes you are, you know, to, to a lot of parents, especially if they're intensely involved in sports in, in their own right, you know, to them it's all about winning and losing even if you're eight years old. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. And that's the one rule that stands out to me, too, is the equal playing time. I did some coaching as well, you know, going up through school, coaching some younger kids and helping out. And, I, I you know, I've noticed on one of the teams that I helped is, this, you know, there was a couple kids who, you know, didn't feel comfortable with their skills. There was obviously a couple players who were better. And, you know, when it was their time to go in, they were afraid to go in. They didn't feel like they should go in. They didn't want to ruin the game for me. That that shouldn't, that mindset should not happen with kids. Like everyone should be, have fair, equal playing time. Nobody should feel bad about going onto the floor and playing and messing up for the team. And nobody should feel like they should go on the floor and have the ball in their hands all the time. These are young kids, and I think this is this is great for their development. I agree with what you said, Scott, about three-point land. I mean, we're seeing it now in the tournament. Guys are chucking from the NCAA logo at half. I mean, it, sure, it's it's successful at times then, but that's not the way that these kids should be learning how to play basketball. Let's get back to some old-school passing the ball, uh, not just chucking up three. So I like it, and I hope that that rule stands, that it is equal playing time for everybody. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you want to go chuck it too. from three, do it at the park. You'll have your own time to do it. <laughs> right. And you guys know me. I'm definitely not going down this road. I actually hate the whole, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy and no, there's no winner in a tournament. And so, but at the same time, I'm not talking about ages 7 to 11. You know, I'm, I'm talking right. about, like, once you get to the the skill level of where these things can matter a little bit. I understand what you're saying, Scott, too. I do think you're going to get a lot of pushback from some of the parents, especially the parents, like I said, who think their kid is the most talented kid on the team and that they're going to win everything and bring home a trophy for them and they're going to be the MVP. But the same thing is, if you look at it, I think this is a long time coming just from the skill standpoint because if you look at baseball, 
T-ball. Middle League doesn't play. Yeah, you start with T-ball. You play on smaller fields. I mean, they're not playing Major League Baseball level baseball when you're growing up. Same thing with football. You get like you're all smaller. They have a little bit smaller football. The field side is the same. They should probably small on the field. But I mean, you look at these things. It's like this is basically soccer the only too. Sport. Soccer's like that too. Yeah, small, smaller. This is field, like the only. S- oh, I actually found that out recently, Chris. I didn't know that. I'm buying a soccer ball for my nephew, and I didn't know there was a different size soccer ball. I like when I yeah. got there. They're like they're numbered. I think they're like one, two, and three or. Something. Something like yep, that, but yep, yep. this is the only sport where they're saying, "Hey, play on the NBA regulation court with the NBA regulation ball." It doesn't matter; you're eight years old. Yeah, which yeah, is the not kid, fair. The kids never want to do, you know, what they're supposed to do. It's like I used to work in sports retail, and you talk about you know different size balls. You know, I knew about that by selling soccer balls. You know, people don't know they're actually different types of basketballs for indoor and outdoor. If you use the same authentic NBA ball that you use. They use on a playground with that sort of with that sort oh, of surface. No you're going time. to ruin ruin yeah. the ball. And I remember like kids would come in, in like the 1990s. I was wearing, uh, I, I was working in a sporting goods store, and I would sell football equipment too, and they're, they're different and baseball equipment. There are different types of gloves for different positions. Everybody wants the biggest glove because they think it'll catch everything. But no, you want a smaller glove for the infield so you can get it out right. of, in, and, in and out yeah. quick. And then it, there was the, the worst with the football stuff. It's like every kid wanted, wanted a, a Emmett Smith-type visor. But you have different type of face masks for different positions. You don't want to be wearing an Emmett, uh, you know, an open open face sort of visor when you're, when you're playing defensive line because you could get easily poked in the eye. Yeah, And what I like, too, is, I mean, you see a seven-year-old try to shoot a basketball on a, you know, a 10-feet hoop, and they can't touch the rim. Like, how is that helping them out, right? It just, one, like I said, go back to it, it kind of hurts their confidence a little bit. So let's make it an eight-foot basket, and let's let's see them, you know, excel and and work and gain their confidence and skill that way. So I, I, I love it. I think this is a great idea. I'm, I'm all for it. All right. Well, then I got one more NBA question specifically for you guys because I don't know. I don't follow the NBA enough to know this. So I see that Steph Curry is trying to come back this weekend. But I also saw when I was in. Yeah. And I was in New York for Tout Wars with Scott and everything. And I also saw while I was up there that Kevin Durant was now out for two weeks. Like, are the Warriors. Should Warriors fans be. Because that's my question for you. Should Warriors fans be concerned about them potentially winning the title this year, Scott? I don't know because he's already learned long-term injuries. And you also have Clay Thompson and Draymond, Draymond Green out as well. But you know, they, they scored 75 points in their last game. He's playing game. for this team. But <laughs> Quinn Cook, he, he yeah. tore up the G League. fan. Uh, G, I mean, I'm wearing Mavericks gear because he balled out in G League fantasy and I was all over it. But he is – it's funny. I, I tweeted the other day. This is not how I envisioned my f- fantasy basketball semifinal matchup with Clay and Curry on the bench and Quinn Cook in my lineup. Um, there is some concerns, you know, Scott mentioned. It's not just Curry coming back. It's KD. It's it's Draymond Green who got hurt last game. It's Clay Thompson who's dealing with a fractured thumb and reportedly a couple weeks, but really like a good six to eight weeks for that to heal on a shooting hand. So I think there's some concerns, but at the end of the day, if this team is healthy heading into the playoffs, round one, maybe they don't even need all four of them in round one. You know, yeah, round I, I two, don't f- they'll need those I, I, guys and they'll be fine. I don't think there's a concern. You know, there's there's no indication that it's going to be long-term, especially for when they're playing Houston in the finals because we all know that's what's going to happen. You know, it's pretty much a given. I would I would be worried about it in terms of health, except for the fact that Curry seems to get hurt a lot. 
And I don't know if they could beat the Rockets without him. The part that stinks about this, and it still puts something in my craw, because in 2012, uh, I I was playing at SiriusXM for the Fantasy Basketball uh, Host Championship, and Kobe Bryant got got injured during the playoffs. And, of course, they held him out because it was late in the season, and they had nothing to play for. And it ended up in a tie. And we had to play on DraftKings. We decided to play on DraftKings for it to go to overtime and head-to-head, and I lost. But my point being is kind of long-winded here is that, you know, circling back around is, more importantly, using all, losing all of these franchise players in your fantasy basketball playoffs or even if you're playing Roto, you know, you're in a tight race. This is what hurts about seasonal fantasy basketball. Tony, I was talking to Tony about that when I was filling in for Cam and Gabe on, you know, game time decisions. And Tony was, he was furious because all of his guys were sitting out. This is the way it's been in the NBA for a couple of years. And honestly, it's not getting any better. Guys are resting. Seatings are set. The Warriors don't care who they play. The Rockets don't care who they play. Same with the Cavs. When they won the championship in Golden State on their floor, they could, they don't care about first place or second place. And that's what's going to happen. Guys are playing back-to-backs. The Pelicans play three nights in a row this week. I don't even understand that. I don't get why. So it's like if you have Rondo, I mean, Rondo balled out last night. He's probably not going to play tonight because he can't play three nights in a row. He rested last week on a back-to-back. So, that, I mean, that's it's it's a sticky situation in fantasy. Uh, but everyone is in Three the days in a row least. this week? Yeah. The Pelicans. I, I, huh. they had, I looked in the schedule. It's like, wow, they're playing back-to-back-to-back. I mean, Anthony Davis had a scare last night. You wonder if he can go three games in a row. It just the scheduling at this Has point. Has he of the ever season, gone three days in a row? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the scheduling at this point of the season is so jam tight. It's it's really tough um, to to see players. To your point, Scott, play back to back nights and just hope that they they get by. But the Warriors, it's interesting. I think it's something to just be a little concerned with because everything has gone their way over the past three years. Now guys are starting to get hurt, and you wonder if they can go through with that. I yeah, and here's the, here's the other Looney thing. Is. What we do, what we do for football is, you know, we cut it off in week 16, uh, so we don't have you know these kind of issues. We have to start looking seriously at fans, seasonal fantasy basketball, and you know, do we cut the league off at the end of February? Yeah, that's what Tony and I talked about. I know in a lot yeah. of my basketball leagues, finals are this week, where yeah. in another league they're starting this week. So I think it I wouldn't should even be go like that football. far. You cut it off a couple weeks. Uh, I do the same thing in baseball. That last week is just a crapshoot. And the same thing in hockey. Like, guys are resting. In basketball, it's even worse. So, Scott, you're saying what now? You wouldn't even go I'm that I'm saying far? have the finals at the end of February. Hmm. Yeah. Chris? I mean, I would – I think it should be done now. It, like, I think that last week would should have been maybe championship week or if you're playing in a roto league that it, that it ends then. Uh, because you're going to get into a lot of just guys resting and guys getting hurt. It's tough. It's tough. Okay. I'll say everyone's so, in the same boat, though. Like, everybody's in the same situation. So, okay, this goes back to something that Nando and I have been campaigning for in baseball is ending in August instead of September. So if you guys are going to do it, is, is that just going to take? Is like you just start doing it in your leagues and hope it catches on? I mean, like, it's not I, like you how much does it really affect baseball as compared to football and basketball? I don't, I don't know if it's that drastic. Oh, it's huge. People, do you know this guy? People check out in September all the time. 
It's actually, I'd say it's the worst, and, and it's not the game itself. It's the fact that the, your league mates are checking out, and the fact that you can gain three spots in a category by doing nothing of your own just by teams checking out, and all you suddenly, you've done Those it. People I know should you be checking out, you know, I'm saying. But I'm that's talking the thing about, is you're never going to get away about, from that. Oh, you're talking about owners. I thought you were talking about owners checking out. I get. I guess I just yeah. don't pay attention to it as much in baseball. You know, and it's, I believe it's kind of the strategy where you know people are picking up streamers in that first. And no, well, that's week. the other it's thing too. Is you also that get final the 40... two weeks. It feel, it seems like it's easier that's to cross with expand. in baseball. Yeah. No, that is no. That's the other issue too. Is you get the expanded rosters, so you get what your point is, but you also get the fact that teams don't send players to the DL. So you get hamstrung by that as well because they don't need to, and then you get people that you can't make a spot for. It's just September's a it's a hogwash. It's a mess. I don't like it for baseball. Nando doesn't like it. The three fifty league that I've done that everybody loves is three. Chris knows about it. I brought it up on on Target. It's three fifty day segments that carry over, and we end at the end of August, and everybody can go focus on football, which they're doing anyway. And you don't have to deal with September. I just think this like all these. I'm with you, Scott. It, it's the smart thing to do is to just to end before the madness starts. Yeah, I don't up. think I notice it much in baseball though, because I guess I'm so used to dealing with it, and it, I've never yeah, got any real aggravation off of it. All right. Well, speaking of baseball, we're gonna come back from the break, and it's full baseball time. We gotta talk about a pitcher finally signed, and those couple late round pitchers should they be on your radars? Jake, Scott, and Chris is Roto experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What if I were to tell you that there was a professional football league where you, the fan, got to draft the team and call the plays? Is that something you might be interested in? The Fan Control Football League is bringing managerial control to the fans. Visit fcfl.io to learn more. Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Come Greg Sussman say you. The RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy baseball package for 2018 is here and better than ever. Packed with a deluxe suite of articles from our award-winning analysts, this year's edition also features a brand new Slack channel, an improved cheat sheet generator, and our most accurate projections ever. We take you from draft day to championship week. Enter promo code FNTSY at checkout for a discount on your RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy baseball package. Hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and that means the Fantasy Baseball Black Book is back as well. It's me, it's Paul Spore writing starting pitching profiles. It's Jake Seeley. It's Sammy Reed writing DFS. It's a whole lot of greatness right here for you. You can get the new Fantasy Black Book for baseball on Amazon, on iTunes. You can get it in paperback. You can get it for your Kindle. You can get it anywhere you want, but make sure you get it, because once you go Black Book, you never go back. Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore, but I'd still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me. 
skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today and unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Game time decisions. We meet this dude, Mark, the air conditioner uh, king. He looked just like Don Johnson. I don't know what his deal is. Like, I don't think he was telling us the whole story with this guy. He, he, def- was. he definitely wasn't, but we, yeah. it was great to hang with. He was just stacked with cash. He's like, all right, what do, what do you guys need? He went over, and I told him he had a strawberry daiquiris. And when he went in to order the strawberry, they even said, no, nah, man, there's been these guys, man. They crushed all the strawberry. There's none left. You got to get mango. I liked mango. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to the Roto Experts. Jake Seeley, Scott Angle, Chris Meany. No Joe Piece of Pia to crap all over the Legend of Zelda song, which is terrific. <laughs> I know you Somewhere he's that, doing it. Somewhere he's getting mad about it. <laughs> yes. It's the best song ever. All right. We finally have a home for Alex Cobb. Not, I guess, not what we expected. He turned out an offer, surprisingly, of $48 million to go to the Cubs, and somehow still got $60 million to go to the Orioles. The best tweet I saw yesterday, guys, was somebody said, Alex Cobb, $60 million to the Orioles, and it's Lance Lynn throwing his hands up watching, I guess, a hit, because you don't see what he's watching. But it's just him throwing his hands up and putting them behind his head and, like, disgust. And it's just that was the best tweet I ever saw, because Alex Cobb getting $60 million with Lance Lynn was only able to get what he got is a shock beyond shocks to me. Because, especially let's talk fantasy purposes too, Scott, Alex Cobb doesn't strike anybody out. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's, he made a nice comeback from Tommy John surgery. I, I see it upsets you because your voice cracked right there. But, you know, there yeah. are serviceable pitchers that – you know, I was talking about it with Tony this morning that, you know, uh, for fantasy purposes, that don't strike out a lot of guys and they're not glamorous like Michael Fulmer and Jay Happ, et cetera. You know, and those guys can be important to your fantasy team. Last year, we saw we saw Cobb come back and have a nice uh, ERA, a good whip, but, you know, his strand rate was kind of low and the hard hit rate was up above his career norm. And you also saw his FIP and his ex-FIP were higher than his ERA, and he's going to hit his ballpark. So I think there's going to be some regression from his from last year. But I'm expecting the same thing with Lance Lynn as well. I don't think I'm expecting outstanding numbers from Hill him either. You know, moving to the American League and some of the peripherals pointing to, to regression. If I had to, but you know, if I have Matt Moore, it's like my fifth, sixth starter. I'll be okay with it. I think if I worry about anything, it's about him going to Camden Yards and some of the peripherals pointing to some regression. Yeah, but yeah. too, though, Chris, I'd, I'd much rather have Lance Lynn at this point. Yeah, I mean, sure. You, because you wonder if if Cobb can get back to you know his strikeout ratios pre-Tommy John when he was up near the 8K per nine, and we, we just didn't see it last year, you know, 6K per nine. 
he keeps the ball on the ground, you know, for the most part. It, it's a tough division. I mean, he did obviously pitch in this division last year, but now he's going to Camden. He's still going to have to make trips to Rogers Center, Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park. It, it is it is a tough division. I, w- I would like to have seen him gone to the National League like the Cubs. I would have just, like, bit the bullet, took a little bit less cash and played for the Chicago Cubs. But this is something that the Baltimore Orioles, from a real-life standpoint, this is what, you know, they need some arms. They need some chucking because Andrew Kashner and Chris Tillman are not going to get the job done. We're just waiting on Kevin Gossman to fully give us something. Dylan Bundy showed signs last year. Another guy who doesn't strike out a ton of people. Um, but they needed a pitcher. From a fantasy standpoint, I'll probably just pass on Cobb. Uh, I think I would rather Lynn as well. Um, strikes the guys out a little bit more. But I think both of these guys, like neither of them are on my radar. But I think Cobb you can get at a bit of a discount because he's not going to be ready opening day. And well, Cobb, Cobb actually had better that. strikeout numbers during the second half last year. And, you know, you look at Lance Lynn, he only struck out 7.3 batters per nine. He had a 79% strand rate. His ERA was 343. His FIP was 482, and his XFIP was 475. So I don't think he's a whole lot better than Cobb. He struggled in the second half. He was walking guys. Yeah. yeah. 377, yeah. Uh, you know, per nine. That's still – that's still – uh. But if you look at the career-wise, I, I trust Lance Lynn a lot more at this point than I do Alex Cobb. I think I don't might, know. I think, I think there's think, some think, safety in Lynn. Like I think a there's draw. some upside in Cobb. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I you think mentioned, you mentioned I, it too, guys. Like Alex Cobb there. was a bit fortunate. Alex Cobb was fortunate as well. So I mean, you get you know, you could say that it's fortunate for both of them. Yeah, I'm saying it's like it's almost a draw. It's just like I'm not in on Lance Lynn. And that's yeah, fine. I, th- I, th- I just yeah. I think there's a decent. I think actually I personally say there's a decent gap between the two, especially when you factor in the whip. Uh, uh, although I will say this: if the bats projections on Fangraphs are correct for Alex Cobb, he will be the most valuable person in all of fantasy because he's coming down with 660 saves. Everybody, just so you know. <laughs> What's what was we? Why did you say the, the difference in whip? No, I would rather. Yeah, I don't believe in Alex Cobb whip. If you look at last year, even. It wasn't that great. It was 1.22, and even before that, he struggled all the like – he Lynn, Lynn I was 1.23. It was the same thing. I said, though, this year, I believe in it more. I'm saying I don't believe for the whip that he had last year for Alex Cobb. I don't believe that his whip will be 1.2. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't think that uh, Lance Lynn's going to have a 79% strand rate either. No, there's, that's there's fair. Alex Cobb, 76 yeah. There's a yeah. slight chance that Cobb can get back to some of the strikeout numbers he had, you know, pre-Tommy John. Like that, yeah, he was know, better second s- half last year. Yeah, so th- there is a chance. Like I said, I would have liked to see him go to the National League. Typically, you know, you'll see a rise in, in some pitchers when they move over to the National well, League. Well, that's part of it, AL. too, Chris. Is Yeah, he's still in the same division, but now he's also yeah. pitching in a worse ballpark for half his games. He went from the Rays yeah. to the Orioles. Yeah, and if you take a look at his game log just from last year and you look at some of the games where he got blown up, like at Camden Yards, at Fenway, Rogers Center, Yankee Stadium, like those are ballparks that he's going to have to go to um, quite often and one he's going to have to pitch in almost half the season. So um, that division is tough. It's tough on anybody, it, absolutely. And when you're not striking guys out, um, it, it catches up to you. That's the thing. You just have to be able to limit the walks, and I think he's done that for the most part. Do we overrate that sometimes, though? Because he's not going to get bombed in every single start. He's not going to get bombed in every I, start, I but it's it's not a. It has to be a factor when you. I mean, you're just comparing the two pitchers and looking at some negatives. I mean, just take a look at at the game log, Scott, and look at some of the the games that he got blown up. All of them basically inside that division, and it's a tough division. I'm not saying he's going to get blown up all the time he plays there, but he's now he's got to pitch at Camden 
a lot more than he did last year. He's got to make trips to uh, Yankee Stadium. And for and that, and that reference, offense. Scott, like, I think I agree with you. Like, I think you can sometimes people will overreact to it, but I do think it has to be a factor, especially what I'm looking at right now in stat corner for the ballpark factors for the Tampa Bay Rays. Every single stat is under average when you talk about home runs, runs, doubles, and triples. For the Orioles, the home runs and runs are both significantly higher than average at 108 and 117. So, I mean, just that alone. You don't, you don't want a pitcher in general to pitch half his games in Baltimore, let alone you know, somebody who doesn't strike out a lot of people. So, yeah, I agree with you as people can definitely overrate it, but I think in this case it's, it's worth looking at. Fair enough. Giddy okay. Up. Yeah, let's go. I still, I, I'm still hoping for those 660 saves, though. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna have to, gonna have to send Derek an email. I told you that it's, it's screwed up. The bat projections on Fangraphs, obviously, there's an error. They have the, the entire line is screwed up. They have 28 starts, 660 saves, a 2.46 K per nine, a negative 197 left on base percentage. That would be atrocious. So there's definitely something happened here where the numbers got screwed up. I was gonna say, I'll, I'll let Derek A career-high 4.77 walks per nine as well. So. Yes, yeah. Having some I think a couple issues, but, but still but, getting the job. But only .01 home runs per nine inning, Chris. So, you know, that's, that's a good thing. for all those saves, I think. Yeah, that's probably why. All right, let's talk about some mid to late round pitchers and whether you're on these guys, whether you can see some value, whether they have breakout potential. And we'll start with somebody who's just been lighting up. Speaking of the Rays and everything. Oh, no, wait. Oh, wrong one. I'm thinking of J- I, I always do this. I always do this with Junis and Faria. Kansas City Royals is where Junis is. In any case, he's been tearing up spring training. Scott, Jake Junis, thumbs up or thumbs down breakout season? I think, I think you know, from what we saw of him last year, I think I'm going to go with thumbs up, you know, for uh, the sleeper potential there. You know, somebody else, you know, we, you like more of what you saw in the spring uh, from what you saw last year, and it, you certainly saw the potential last season. So, uh, you know, taking a look at what he did last year, uh, in AAA last year, 71 innings pitch, 61 hits, 86 strikeouts, and a 107 whip. And he went 7-1 and one with a 3.55 ERA and a 109 whip after the All-Star break. So I'm definitely in on him. Yeah, I'm in on him as well. He had two fantastic seasons in AAA. Good showings, too. Like, the first year in 2016, it's only 30 innings, but he was great in AA before that. And last year, he was phenomenal in AAA. And I was just waiting for him to come up. And I think the Danny Duffy injury really just... It gave him a way to to get up to the bigs and to and to stick and to show what you know he can do. And the strikeout numbers are fine. Um, you know he's a bit of a fly ball pitcher, but it's a good ballpark for him. So I, I'm in on him as a breakout guy for sure. And somebody to your point, Jake. I mean, late round flyers here is somebody that's not going to cost you a whole lot. So I I, I like it. And it, you know it's a good division as well. I know we're talking about divisions, but again, it's it's a good one for him. Uh, but I, I think he's a, well, that would definitely definitely help. prime for a breakout. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a smart thing to look at when you talk about the divisions. you got to look at the other lineups. He's going to be facing more than anybody else. And then I saw somebody, credit to the person that did, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about Lucas Duda and why people should be paying attention to him and pointed out the fact that there's only three lefties in all of the NL Central. And the fact mm-hmm. that that means Lucas Duda is going to be seeing a lot of favorable starters for the entire season, which you don't even have to worry about him being sit, sat that much because he's facing a bunch of righties. So that was the point. There's a few more lefties on his team in the Royals, but the fact is what he has to face is only three, and they're all on the Tigers, funnily enough. All three lefties are all on the Tigers. Interesting. There's, yeah. there's Liriano, uh, and then who are the other two lefties on the Tigers that I'm trying to think of? Who's their starting rotation? 
Tiger's rotation. It's, that's that's it's dis- not good. Sad. It, it's I'm not good to at think all. The lefties You're talking about Fuller's... Lucas Duda. That's like the least excitable guy I've ever seen. I don't. I don't even recall him seeing celebrating when the I... Mets won the, the National League in 2015. <laughs> I think Matt Boyd <laughs> is a lefty. Boyd and uh, yeah, Boyd. Boyd. Boyd's a nice sleeper. Is Fulmer a lefty? Fulmer's not. Larry okay, it's not even a starter. Boyd. Yeah, because yeah, Fires, Fires is a righty, too. So it's not even another yeah. starter. So I, just, I'm not a fan of that case, rotation at all. Or maybe it's two of them were on the, the Tigers. Top. But yeah, whatever it may be. Go get Lucas Duda. Cheap, like you said, Scott. I mean, you know, he's he's very even keeled. Is that a good way to put that, it? That's not even a way to put it. He's just like, you know, you can... <laughs> Like Lucas, your house is on fire. Oh, that's bad. You know, it's like, <laughs> the rotation I have it now is Jordan Zimmerman, Full Miliano, Fires, yeah, two and Boyd. lefties in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Find not out great. Who the third lefty was no, yeah. it's definitely not great. All right, here's another one. Somebody speaking of getting like this is barely going to be a theme at this point, but getting out of a terrible ballpark situation. Tyler Chatwood is no longer pitching for Colorado for half his starts. Interesting thing with Chatwood is, though, is sometimes he would get bombed on the road. Sometimes he would come home to Colorado and all of a sudden go eight innings of two earned runs. It's just like, what the heck's going on, Chatwood? But at the same time, he's not pitching there anymore. His ballpark isn't that much better in Chicago, but it is better. Anything is better than Colorado. But the big thing here is he's got 18 strikeouts and 16 innings pitched this spring, Chris. Are we on Tyler Chatwood of breaking out because he's finally away from the Colorado confines? Yeah, I think so. I, I wrote a, you know, on Fantasy Pros, as they usually ask you guys as well, and you know, to write about a, a deep, deep, deep pitcher. This was, you know, when guys were signing with different teams, and there wasn't a lot to choose from at that time. But Chatwood really jumped out to me uh, as somebody. You look at the splits; it's significant. Yeah, he did get bombed on the road sometimes, but it's it's huge. I mean, it's a six ERA at home compared to a three on the road. He's somebody who can strike some guys out, and I was reading um, just about a Rockies beat reporter talking about how he couldn't trust last year. He couldn't trust his curveball uh, in Colorado. I mean, he just couldn't get it to where he wanted it to, and he thought that a change away from Colorado, and he used it a little bit more on the road. I think we'll see some of that with, with him, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the strikeout totals as well. He can pitch. He can strike guys out. He's got a great ground ball rate, which, you know, you thought that that would work out for him in Colorado. It's going to help him a little bit more in Chicago at Wrigley. It's just the walks, again, with some of these guys. You just... And I always tell people, it's fine to, if you're in weekly leagues, it's fine to sit a guy if it's in a bad matchup. Like, I had Chatwood last year, and I hardly played him if he had two games in, in Colorado for the week. It's fine to to not roll those guys out in tougher matchups. I think he needs to work on limiting the walks. Like, 4.69 walks per, per nine is is tough. That's that's a hard number to swallow. But I'm, I'm, I'm in on, you know, the ballpark change and some of the strikeout totals he can provide. Scott? Did we lose you? Scott does not care about Tyler Chatwood. No, Scott is off Tyler Chatwood. I, I have, oh, sorry. I have my own. Guys, can you there. hear me now? Uh, yeah. Anyway, with Chatwood, with that uh, ground ball rate <laughs> that you mentioned, you know, being so superb, and the defense behind him, that's definitely an advantage. But, of course, you talked the walk rate. Last year he had a low strand rate as well, 469 ERA, 494, uh, FIP, 427, XFIP. And then you look over his career, you know, even with, with the Angels, he wasn't all that impressive. But you know, I think from where you get him, you know, I think there's a limited amount of upside. So I'm okay with where he's getting picked. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I like I said, I like to see the strikeouts. I like to see no more Colorado. The biggest thing is I want to see some more consistency. As I said, you know, going on the road is still getting bombed. I like to see that, but, you know, maybe they can get some the type strikeouts, of consistency. The strikeouts, though, sorry, is like only 7.31 last year, K per nine, and a 6.09 for his career. So, you know, he's got he's to be consistently getting his sinker down. Right, which yeah. is that's what I say. We'd like to see in the yeah. spring is the fact that he's starting to get some of those. All right, so yeah. what about his teammate, who is not somebody we ever drafted for strikeouts, but we drafted because the ratios were terrific and struggled a little bit, kind of started to fall off, and people jumped off. Kyle Hendricks, uh, is he back to being the Kyle Hendricks where it's like, wow, this guy can really help my whip in the ERA, but, and you're just going to deal with what he does and get you a few strikeouts? Or is last year a sign of him starting to completely fall off now? I don't know if it's a complete fall off at this point. Uh, you know, the case per nine dipped a little bit. I mean, he still only had a three oh three ERA. It's, yeah, it's, he's got twenty one and fifteen innings in the yeah, spring. It was, it was microscopic. Yeah. I mean, what you, you're still regressing to something that's very strong. Uh, you know, sixteen wins the year before, but you can't you can't chase that. Uh, his strand rate really went up uh, last year to a career high eighty two point five percent. You know, if I look at the advanced numbers, I, I could still depend on Kyle Hendricks. It's just he wasn't the revelation that he was the year before. Yeah, it's – i am I'll be honest. I'm not excited about him. I understand the ratios. He plays a good team. Scott brought up some good numbers earlier. It's just defensive numbers with this team. There's just some more upside, of, you know, for where he's going with some other pitchers. I think that if you're looking to stabilize those ratios, though, where he is going, to your point, Chris, he's at least a good value at that spot. So, yep. going to hit the break. Going to come back. Got a lot more mid to late round pitchers to get involved with this Roto Experts. Muscle Maker Grill was made for baseball season. Muscle Maker Grill supplies you with delicious, healthy meals that will give you energy to cheer on your team week after week. Whether you're craving flavorful salad, packed wraps, or guiltless entrees, Muscle Maker Grill has you covered. Hosting a game? No problem. Our catering packages will have your whole team satisfied with flavors ranging from Italian to Tex-Mex and much, much more. Visit MuscleMakerGrill.com for your nearest location and have a winning season. Fantasy. We were on Periscope. We come out. This guy's like in his undies and a t-shirt. Like, what's going on? Shorts and t-shirt. So Showing I exactly, off his short shorts. I exactly what you guys do. The thunder thighs? They're not. They're normal size shorts. I don't know I if they would have said they're normal size thighs. I don't know if I would have done that if I invited you guys over. I do it all the time. I was comfy. You just chose to wear your short shorts. Right, yeah, yeah, short. right. He knew what he was doing. He's like, oh, I'm going on Periscope. <laughs> that didn't happen. Just like that. Oh, man. That was great. He's laughing. We heard it right before we went live. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube stream. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call page publishing at 800-955-3793 immediately that's 800-955-3793 page publishing is looking for authors of all types of books and unlike most publishers page publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback if they like what they read they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at amazon the apple itunes store barnes and noble and other outlets they handle everything editing cover design copyright protection printing publicity and distribution so if you've written a novel children's book 
cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-3793 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-3793. That's 800-955-3793. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 for your free author submission kit. Fantasy Sports Today. The uh, Alliance of American Football. The point of the, any of these leagues is to generate revenue. But XFL is <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be controversial. It's gonna be I don't different. think XFL is going to be controversial. I think XFL is going to try to do it right this time. I would give it a shot. Both of these leagues. It's going to be subpar garbage talent. It's going to fail just like it did before unless you do something differently. The talent in these leagues is probably going to be horrific. Like the quarterbacks is going to be like. Practice squad. Jamarcus Russell is going to be a quarterback. That's sick, though. I kind of want to see that. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern. Only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Skix sneakers are taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skix canvas high top, low top, slip on, and kids tennis style sneakers designed in officially licensed college colors and logos is a must have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skix helps fans perform better. Go to Skix.com and use promo code FNTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skix.com. Skix sneakers, the soul of a true fan. Welcome back to the Roto Experts. This is Jake Seeley, Scott Angle, Chris Meany. Talking fancy baseball for you guys. Talking mid to late round pitchers. Trying to get you some value for your drafts as they finish up and baseball is right around the corner. Additionally, if you want to dominate DraftKings and FanDuel baseball this year, contest all summer long with Daily Roto's MLB projections and optimizer will help you win. Go to dailyroto.com premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY. You'll be using all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dickmeyer uses. And they don't work just for football. As I said, this is for baseball. It's the same site that Drew used to win $150,000 in the top five DraftKings live final finish last year. So head over to dailyroto.com front slash premium and save 10% off. Again, the promo code is FNTSY. All right, guys, let's keep this going. Mid to late round pitchers. I'm going to change this up. I'm not even going to give you like a setup or anything. I'm just going to ask the question. And I'll go to you first, Chris, on this one. Why does nobody want Kenta and Maeda? I think they're just maybe a little bit of recency bias. I think his season started off last year. You know, he struggled. There was a little bit of a regression. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I'm in on him. I, I take, I'm taking him in most drafts. I think this is, is a good spot. The rotation for him, He's he's got one. That was, it's, that was it last year, right? I mean, he kind of lost his job, and he lost some spots in the rotation. They acquired Darvish. It didn't help him. But I like what I saw from him last year in the postseason run into the bullpen. I think, you know, you can really learn a thing or two going to the bullpen. And uh, I'm in on him. Strikeout numbers are great. He limits the walks for the most part. He's got a good team behind him. Yeah, he's not going to cost you anything. Like I said, Maeda has been on a lot of my team so far. Yeah, Maeda last year, uh, he didn't pitch well in the playoffs. Maybe there's some of that. But uh, he did much better out of the bullpen than he did as a starter. So I think people are kind of worried about that. you know. But maybe the work in the bullpen maybe kind of strengthened his arsenal there. Still at 9.3.8 Ks per nine. Uh, but we, he had a very low strand rate yes, last year. And the ERA was 422, but the FIP was 407. And the XFIP was 3.89. I th- I think uh, for where you're getting Maeda, you know, very late in drafts, I 
I think sometimes when it, when a guy doesn't reach the certain levels that people project for him, they kind of want to leave him behind. But you know, there's still something to be had here. Yeah, and if you look at the second half, it's just ERA just under four, but all the metrics are in line with the, what they were in 2016 when he first came over here, and people were impressed. The strikeouts over nine per inning, the home runs and walks, and all like I said, all the numbers, the bat, if you want to go down the line, they're all right in line. Even if he only gets to a four ERA, which is XFIT was 389 last year, even if you get the four, you're going to get over a strikeout per nine if he pitches 160 innings and he's pitching for the Dodgers. It's going to be a valuable piece. And not that obviously none of us are saying, oh, go get him as a top 25 starter. But to your point, like you said, Chris, I'm ending up with him in a lot of my drafts because nobody wants to draft him until like the 14th, 15th round. People are scared of him for for reasons Scott just said and for the struggles last season. He, I mean, he struggled at times. He lost his job. And people are people are afraid of that. But I think this is a good path for him. And for looking at that rotation, like you got Hinjin Ryu in there who just can never stay healthy. Rich Hill who's had some issues as well. Like this is an opportunity for Kenta to, to make some noise. And you can't get a lot of guys. Uh, he's around pitcher 50 off the board. You can't get a lot of pitchers yep. around there who can flirt with a 10K per nine. You can't. No, exactly. All right, so here's another one. And this one's kind of baffling to me again, but for a little bit different reason because everybody sees a pitcher go to this team and they're like, ooh, he's with Ray Searish. This is going to change. Everybody was over all over even Nova last year. And Joe Musgrove gets traded to the Pirates, who's got, you know, an 8K per nine, solid walks at ERA around four. It jumped up to 477 last year, but the exit was at 403. So it looks like it's the Joe Musgrove we've always known. Joe Musgrove gets his opportunity to stay in the rotation in Pittsburgh. He's going from the Nas- uh, American League to the National League. And what is what most people don't realize is a pitcher's ballpark in Pirates. And he gets Ray Searage. Why aren't people more on Joe Musgrove, Scott? Well, because last year, 477 ERA. But the FIP and the XFIP, you know, point to some good numbers. The left on base percentage was very low. Uh, but he only struck out eight batters per nine. The walks per nine weren't really bad. But again, I think this is a case of people being reactionary. It's more in fantasy football than baseball. But I think you see people being reactionary, you know, in, in this sort of paradigm as well, if you will. Because, you know, Musgrove, they expected a lot last year and he didn't deliver. You know, now the goalposts have moved and, you know, he's a good late pick, I think. Yeah, I watched him live in at the Rogers Center here a couple of years ago, and I drafted him FSTA thinking that he could be the breakout guy in, you know, nine of his first 15 starts. I think it was three runs or more. And I stuck with him just because I could see the upside. He's got a few pitches, a slider, a cutter, a curve, but a decent change that he can throw at times. He does have some strikeout upside. It's just there were a lot of people in Houston last year who were pitching well, and he wasn't. And I thought, again, much like Maeda, when he went back to the bullpen, Musgrove, that's where he kind of excelled. He started to feel a little bit more comfortable with some of his pitches, and then he's starting to strike guys out. Now he moves over to PNC, which you mentioned, Jake. It's a great ballpark for him. There's not a lot of competition inside that rotation for him to stick. He got some good coaching there. We've seen guys turn around. Liriano was, was somebody that turned around a few years ago. I, I think that it's a nice flyer. And if you're in an auction, it could be your last pick for a dollar. I mean, I, I think the upside is worth it. And if it doesn't, if he can't figure out for the first few weeks, he may actually go back to the bullpen and he can help you out there as well, depending on your format. What round are you taking him in if you're taking him? I'd like the last pick. It's I've seen him for really? for most of my for most of my leagues it's like twenty five twenty six rounds and I've I've paid, taken him with my last pick like I don't think he's on anybody's radar man to be honest 
Well, that's, that's my problem. Yeah. Just, I, 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 like, I'm willing to take Benefit around, for like, us. <laughs> yeah, like the 20, 21st round. Like, if you're yeah. talking about the pitchers that are on the board at that point and the upside of him, and now Absolutely. he's with Searage, yeah, that's all. I mean, I guess maybe I could be out there in the Joe Musgrove bandwagon by myself. You guys can no, come I'm with you. you I'm with you. I'm, right. I'm in on him. Well, here's another one. And I think that if you look at this picture, you got people see too too often forget how highly touted somebody was, and then as soon as they fail, they just jump off board. And I think that this is what's happening with this pitcher, as well as the fact that he's getting overshadowed by the younger players on this team with a lot of talent too. And those younger players, and people will start to know who I'm talking about now, it's with the Atlanta Braves, and that's with Ronald Acuna and Orlando or, – uh, sorry, I was about to say Orlando Arcia. That is the wrong player. <laughs> Ozzy Albies, if you look at both of them, everybody's getting so hyped about them that people are forgetting Sean Newcomb was one of the top picks in the draft, was exceptionally highly thought of, yeah, uh, with the Angels, who was part of the deal with the Andrelton Simmons deal, and the strikeouts per nine, terrific. The walks per nine, always concerning. But as he works on that, Chris, you said he's a stud, and people forgot that Sean Newcomb is a potential up-and-comer as well. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Newcomb's. I've had him in a dynasty league a couple of years ago and just waiting and seeing. The walks have always been an issue with him, though, Jake. I mean, even in the minor leagues, see, I mean, yep. nobody really walks in the minor leagues. The only walking they're doing is to the bus, right? I mean, you can't have a 4.98 walks per nine in, in single-A ball, and that's always been the issue. You mentioned the big deal with Simmons. The strikeout potential is there, and we're seeing it in the spring. 15 strikeouts over 15 innings, but again, some walks have get him in trouble. So this is somebody who's going to be at, for where you're getting them, though, right? You're gonna with with these pitchers, you're getting near the end with all of this upside. You're gonna have to go through some bad outings of walks and home runs, but then you get some outings where he strikes out seven or eight guys, and we saw that last year. There was an outing against the Mets. He had eight K. He hardly gave up any hits over five innings. So I don't think he's gonna be able to go deep into ball games because of his walks. But I think he's a perfect upside guy to take near the end of drafts. I would take him earlier than Musgrove. I would take that shot on him. I think there's a higher ceiling, of course. Yeah, when you look at Newcomb, you know, the AAA, the, the strikeouts were amazing. But, you know, uh, Chris pretty much covered it in the fact that the control was a real issue. You know, this guy is 6'5 with a really good changeup. But, you know, you just hope it's not a Mike, another Mike Fulton Evans situation where you're hearing so much hype and then it doesn't pan out. So are you, take a, are you taking a chance on him? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I'm towards the end of the draft and, you know, I'm looking at a Junis or a Newcomb, I'll probably take a Junis, but I'll consider a Newcomb. I think, like, depending on what my team looks like, I probably, I would roll Newcomb if I need the strikeouts and then could, you know, withstand the whip. But if I needed a better whip than Junis. But that's the point is people are actually on Junis and they're just dismissing. They're not even talking about Newcomb. So I think they could both be in that conversation. Someone that people are actually talking about. And there are a lot of people that are high on him because of his strikeout potential, but also his ballpark helps him, although the team might not help him with wins too much. That's Denilson Lamette. Scott, are you a Denilson Lamette fan? I just like saying that name. Yeah, I th- think uh, you want to see him on the Mets, right? Because it makes sense. Lamette. Uh, <laughs> no. I think yeah, I remember it was such dreaming. a buzz because because uh, he ended up pitching at a City Field last year and everybody else talked about him saying, you know, that he he should be on the Mets because yeah, he should be on the Mets because it says Danilis and Lamette. But uh, you know, last year, you know, especially in AAA, uh, you know, fifty strikeouts in thirty nine innings, and he just saw one hundred thirty nine in one hundred fourteen innings, 
and you know whip of 124, 4.57 ERA. But the promise is definitely there in a pitcher's park. And you you, you talk about guys that uh, like we talked about before, like Jay Happ, etc. Uh, everybody gets excited about the strikeout pitchers, but you have to remember, yeah, you know, they also have to keep guys off base as well. Yeah, and this is much like Newcomb. Jake, you're really speaking to me with some of these guys. I've I've left a lot of drafts with like Lament and Newcomb. Had them last year to you know when they got called up. It's again the walks, like the strikeout potential is through the roof. You see it. I mean, the 10K per nine, it's it's almost 11. It's unbelievable over 114 innings to strike that many guys out and to do it against some of the teams. I remember a game against the Dodgers when the Dodgers were rolling. They couldn't be beat. He struck out 10 guys over six innings. He, he fanned them all. He was fooling them. But again, you look at the game log, you look at the walks per nine, 4.25. That's where some of these young guys struggle. As, as Scott said, you got to keep guys off the base path. Base path. Five walks, four walks, four walks, six, six, five. Right. Those are some of the outings that he's had where he gets into trouble. But strikeout potential, if you have some of those ratio guys, we talked about Hendricks, Happ, you have some of those ratio guys who can help you out, you, you, get, you can find a nice balance towards the end of your draft, some high potential K guys. Well, and then if they do learn a little bit of control, I mean, you're just you're making up the value in spades of that player just by himself. And so the worst-case scenario is what we saw last year. And you do need, as you said, somebody to help you, you know, normalize the ratio for your team. Worst case, though, you get what you got last year, and you got somebody with that upside for the strikeouts. Uh, Real quick, before we start wrapping things up today, I want to let everybody know as well, go check out FantasyFactor.com. Perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single-entry contest only. They always have fun contests going on. This year, Fantasy Factor is even having a $100,000 home run derby. So sign up and enter. And make sure you're ready for that at FantasyFactor.com. As well, Scott, you know, everybody, go check out the Roto Extras Exclusive Edge Package. You can use promo code FNTSY, the King, All In Kid, whatever you want. You're going to get 10% off, so make sure you check that out. Uh, we'll save some of these pictures for tomorrow, a little tease for everybody else. And I want to ask another question to you guys for a hitter. How about that? Chris. Why is nobody talking about Colin Moran? That's my question. Pirates, yeah. I'd, I mean, I think maybe people don't know about him. I think maybe that would be that would be my first answer. People are people don't realize that you know a, a decent prospect, of course, coming from the Astros. I I don't know. I think that's that would be my first guess. People, not enough people know about him, so let's educate. Let's educate him. He's got some pop in his bat, some power. We saw it in AAA with the Astros system. Um, flirted with twenty home runs. It's always hit for a decent average. People should let's let's tell the people about him. <laughs> I don't know. About yeah, my yeah, first that's the guy that I took. Nobody knows I took about him. him. I took him in the second yeah. round of my reserve draft of in Tower Wars. Did you? Oh, nice. Yeah, I've been yeah. getting Colin Moran a lot. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at somebody you could probably, you know, the average might not be spectacular, might 260, 270, but if you're talking 60, 60 and runs in RBI and about 15, maybe 20 home runs, if everything really breaks right for him, he's got the job, Scott. Like, the, the, I, I'm assuming that's everything you're thinking when you took him. Yeah, I, this guy's got the yeah. opportunity here at third base. Not going to be about David Fries. No, no, it's, it's definitely no, it's not. not. Absolutely. Yeah, playing time is, is there that, for him. Yeah, he could potentially move up the the order as well. Well, to go back to what you said, Chris, is it just maybe people just don't know? I like that. I just kind of, I don't know what it is. I think that's my question: is like, why don't they know? And I know you said it's the Pirates, and I know, but he was a big part of that deal. It's just I feel like at this point, we're now March twenty first. Somebody should be knowing about Colin. Like I bring him up a lot of times, and people are just like, who? 
Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. I, yeah, it, people. I mean, the Astros just have a ton of pieces. I know he's originally taken by Miami, but he was a part of that deal, of course. The Astros have a so much talent. They've done such a good job over the past few years of drafting studs, and they just lose them. Like J.D. Martinez was an example a few years ago of a guy that just like couldn't keep around. So they have a lot of pieces. So yeah, the playing time is there, as both of you guys talked about. He sh- maybe we'll just have to talk about it every day. Maybe we'll just have to lead every day. Who's Colin Moran? Who's the Colin Moran fan yeah. club? Can we get him on the show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy just needed an opportunity. Last year hit uh, 308 at AAA with 18 home runs in just 302 at bats. Yeah, see? That's what I'm talking yeah. about. It, and he's having a good spring, Jake. I know that you're you're on it. Like he, had, the pop hasn't been right. there, but he's hitting for average. And I know we can't expect you know a two eighty plus average, but like I said, in the minor leagues throughout his whole career, and, and part around three hundred in twenty in triple, yeah, it's been three hundred. And he's been walking. He's been patient. Like I said, guys don't walk in AAA. So he's shown that he can be patient, even in a small sample size in the bigs. He's he's shown plate discipline. So uh, I think it's a great flyer in a deep league, and you know, especially if you're playing a corner outfield spot, so you can put him in there. Right. And to go back to what you said, that his worst season, if you want to take that AAA in 2016, which was his worst, the 2017 AAA, as Scott mentioned, was much, much better. But even yeah. at his worst, you're talking about 260 average, 10 home runs in 117 games, and 50 and 70 in runs in RBI. Again, 117 games. Scott mentioned it last year in AAA in about 80 games, 53, 63, 18 with a 308 average. So, again, I think more people should be on him. But... We're going to talk a lot more about these kind of guys. We never talked, Scott, about Kyle Schwarber and the slim Kyle Schwarber, so we'll talk about him tomorrow, about five or six more of these mid-to-late-round pitchers. Get you ready for your drafts. Make sure you win this league. Get the Roto exclusive edge package as well. It's Jake Seeley, Scott Angle, Chris Meany. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one.